the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. Good Friday to everybody. As you can tell, this is not Bob France, and you can tell by the music, that's not Bob France. <laughs> this is Khalid Namar in for Bob France today, as I love to do. Uh, Friday, October 14th. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. October 14th, 2022. Glad to be here. Thank you all for listening. Going to have a little fun today. We're going to educate you about, you know, Tip O'Neill once said, former Speaker of the House, all politics are local. We're going to, we're going to talk local politics today because, you know, the, the Washington circus is a bit of a distraction a lot of times, but we need to, you know, just like football, they say, you know, establish the running game, then go to the passing game, basketball, inside out. Well, we're going to do some inside out today. We're going to talk to some local candidates running for uh, local and state races in studio with me is my man Tim Hess running for common pleas court judge we'll be introducing him later uh he's got an interesting background interesting story constitutionalist so my kind of guy and he'll be hanging out with me all day we'll be talking about bail reform we'll be talking about the local judicial system and a couple of little interesting things later on we'll have Keith Davey uh calling in he is running for a state house seat as well and and we got Eric Brewer, who's running for uh, Congress in the 11th district. He will be on in the second hour, but uh, we're going to light it up today. So it, there are some things that that have long bothered me about what's going on. I, I do not like demagoguery. I do not hate manipulation, especially when it comes to our people, my community, black community. Uh, people have a tendency to want to cater to our emotions. And they use certain things that cater to our emotions. I do not talk to groups. I don't like talking to groups. I love talking to individuals. Uh, <clears throat> there's an article written, uh, and I'll read it to you real quick. It's called Finish Race in Identity Politics in America. The founding of the United States of America came with great blessing and an enduring curse. The blessing, though, the principles of liberty, which was spelled out in our Constitution, a document that to date is the world's oldest. The enduring curse, curse is original sin of race, which remains a divisive and intractable issue today. America's history of slavery and subsequent century of legalized racism and segregation did not culminate in legal remedies until a full century later after its founding. Even so, the issue of race has continued to metastasize in, into every aspect of American life. The exploitation and demagoguery by politicians and interest groups have made race the go-to wedge issue. 
If America is to ever fully represent its values, racial division in America must be finished. The idea is that the remedy to this longstanding, oh, the irony is that the remedy to this longstanding problem is rooted in America's founding values and principles. It's only, if only these values more were more widely promoted. On every U.S. coin are three values, liberty, e pluribus unum, and in God we trust. E pluribus unum, which is Latin for out of many, one, was first used on U.S. coinage in 1875. The meaning of the phrase originates from the concept that out of the union of the original colonies emerged a new nation, a nation based on the ideas of limited government and enshrined in its founding documents, the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The promise of America was of America was hardly inclusive of all groups. As we well know, the Republican small R principles ingrained in the constitution excluded blacks, native Americans and other non-Europeans. However, through fervent constitutional debate, and the moral righteousness of the civil rights advocacy, America, although still imperfect, has propelled itself into an exemplary nation, which has extended those often exclusive constitutional principles to each and every group to arrive in its shores. In spite of this progress, there are forces within our nation who seek to exploit racial animus. They weaponize racial rhetoric, demagogue social unrest, and slice up Americans by race and ethnicity in order to obtain power. Liberty e pluribus unum and God we trust are in jeopardy of being permanently placed by secular, the secular trinity of race, gender, and class, contrary to the American idea. The idea of being an American only requires one to adopt her principles and constitution. The 12th century Jewish philosopher and legal scholar Maimonides provided wise and prophetically apropos advice to a Jewish convert, Obadiah, who had reservations regarding his assimilation into Judaism. Quote, there is no difference between you and us, he told Obadiah. You have accepted our laws and principles, and you have joined your fate to the Jewish community. Do not consider your origin inferior. The story of Maimonides capsulizes the idea of America. In its current climate of obstreperous political discourse, race and racism has been once again reheated and lobbed indiscriminately as the primary political hacksaw. The true believers in Americanism must counter these narratives with more vigor than ever. How? We must continue to promote the obscure values on our coins, e pluribus unum, liberty, and in God we trust. In his book, Still the Best Hope, these values are what prominent talk show host and thinker Dennis Prager has termed the American Trinity. William Galton, a Washington, D.C. think tank, the Brookings Institution writes, we are not a community of blood, nor are we, have we ever been. It does not matter from whom we are descended. It does not matter which religion, if any, we espouse. The obligations of membership in the American community are to endorse its principles and institutions, to speak its language, and to set aside prior political obligations that conflict with those of U.S. citizenship. There lies the perfect roadmap for America to ultimately finish race. So that article was written by yours truly in July of 2018. So I, I look back at this article and I thought, wow, uh, <laughs> even then at that time, things have gotten slightly a little bit worse. Uh, well, quite a bit worse since then. 
I just saw a movie. Uh, we had a movie night last night. We we showed the Uncle Tom two documentary. We'll we'll be doing it next Thursday, and I think people should see the film. And I had some problems with the film, but but it's still worth seeing. We were at the East Gate uh, Atlas Theater last night. We'll be there next Thursday showing the Uncle Tom two. So I'll talk more about that later. Um, <clears throat> there is some history that it went over of Marxism, which is divisive in its history. It went over um, how these movements have used blacks to uh, and civil unrest and racial unrest to uh, sow discord in this country and history is well documented is using people's own words to show you the history and how the discourse has been has been uh, has been used I have a huge problem right now with what's going on with with a party that only 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 has race to play they have no ideas they have no policies. It's only race. Now, there's two things they're going to use against you uh, in politics, mostly. Now, let's just say if you're a Republican, they're going to use race, you're racist, or you're a perv. They're going to find some woman that says, you know, you, you, you groped her in a, in a coffee shop in 1994. Or they're going to f- find out that you said something in college in your uh, government class that was considered offensive and I'm, and I'm not joking because there was a judge who was disqualified for something he wrote in college that was offensive so he did not uh get confirmed and, they, and that college experience was i think 20 years earlier this race stuff is is nothing more than a baseball bat and the word racism has pretty much no meaning right now it's just basically somebody yelling ouch you know something hurts it, it means nothing and this whole racial discord that we have is used because people don't have respect for us. They don't. They're going to use this issue to turn you against someone. And that person has no ability really to defend themselves. So I tell people who, if, you, if you're called racist, do not defend yourself. Because you can't defend yourself. What you do, you stick to who you are, you stick to your principles. And if that person wants to use that, let them use it. But don't get defensive because once you get defensive, you've lost. I think that this whole issue of race. Now, I want you to look at the history of every Republican candidate and presidential presidential candidate and president since 1964 has been called a racist. Starting with Goldwater, Nixon. I don't think they called Ford uh, <laughs> a racist. He didn't go through the campaign season. But, uh, you know, uh Reagan, of course, both Bushes, Trump, you know, whoever's going to run for president next, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a racist, too. Um, this is what they use. But that's, there's no policy there. It is all emotionalism. Vote for vote for us because the other guys are racist. That that time is over. It should be over. Bottom line is, how are you going to fix the country? Not how are you going to fix me? Uh, I don't vote for who's going to fix me. I want you to fix the country. I don't want you to take my money. I don't want you to offend my liberties. I don't want you to tell me how to live my life. I want you to, what are you going to do for the country? You don't need to tell me how racist the other guy is. Because bottom line, I think the people who use, uh, the people who are most closest to you are the ones you should actually watch. Because they stand to benefit from the things that they're telling you. So this whole race nonsense that they continue to use is because they have no ideas. We have some local politicians here. Uh, a young man named Bashir Jones who was, uh, he's a Democrat. He came out and endorsed a Republican 
Lee Weingart for um, county commissioner. Shockingly, his name appeared in some uh, smear campaign within a week of uh, some FBI uh, investigation, which he was not even a part of. But the news leak did the job. It kneecapped him because he dared to actually endorse someone he thought would be best for the for the community publicly. Politics, I would rather own a strip club than actually get, in, get into politics. I'm serious. It is at least it's more honest. <laughs> it's more honest. These people are low lifes. They're low lifes. We have some local politicians who have been in office forever, Jeff Johnson, and have done absolutely nothing. But you're going to come out with with demagoguery because you don't think people are smart enough to make a decision. Jeff Johnson. I grew up in your district. I grew up in your ward. And I can think of nothing that you've ever done. You are the Hugh Jackson of local politics. So what you what you need to do is step back and realize you failed. You got locked up in federal prison because you were an awful politician. You have no room to speak on anybody else's character. At all. Bribery and corruption is what you specialize in. So if we need advice on that, yeah, we'll call you. But you don't tell us how to think because you had your chance for the past 30 years. And I can remember nothing that you've done. You don't own us. We don't belong to you. Some might some might think they do. I don't. This is a time where people have to look back and realize what are what do we elect these people for? We elect these people to help improve this these communities that we live in. That is what they are supposed to do. If you're not doing it, then you got to step aside and get out of the way. And then we'll see who's next. But you do not own the people of the city. You do not own uh, black people. You don't own the black vote. People need to start realizing your vote. Uh, your vote is obviously important, but at the same time, you do not owe that vote to any party. But what you do owe to yourselves is re- is re- is self-respect. People have to respect you, and they don't respect you if they take you for granted. The worst thing a man could ever say to his woman, or a woman can ever say to his man, oh, well, well, they're they're not going anywhere. When someone thinks you're not going anywhere, they will never respect you. So the vote that you pledge to a candidate, you have to ask yourself, what are you voting for? What are you voting for? Are you voting uh, for the state to expand or do you want the state to contract? Do you think the state does too much? I personally think the state does too much. However, locally, there are services and things that that local communities uh, deserve and local politicians are supposed to provide. They're not there just to win elections. Don't elect them and then go back to doing what you were doing before because they will do things that are against your interest when you're not looking. Pay attention to your local political landscape because these people are, they are absolutely the worst in many cases. But when it's time for your vote, they'll point the finger to the feds or they'll point the finger to the state when they in fact are the worst defenders. 
pay attention to your local legislators, your school boards. These races typically have low turnouts. Uh, this movie last night just pointed out to me how the media plays such a part in, 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 our, in our discord. I think if we didn't have the news cycle that we have, things would probably be at least 50% better in this country. The media is trash. The media is vile, dishonest, corrupt, and many of them are stupid. They're pretty faces that read the news. They don't really know a whole lot. A lot of them staggered out of some college. Uh, some of them have done beauty pageants and they're, and they're, you know, they just look good on television and they read teleprompters. They don't engage in information. In many cases, they engage in news. There's news and there's information. Not all news is informative and not all information makes the news. I study information. I love information. Uh, I, I the, the best thing about Twitter I love is that I get, I, it, it allows me to insult the media every day. I just got blocked by Peter Stroke, uh, the former corrupt FBI official. He blocked me on Twitter, which which is actually good. <laughs> that means he read my tweets. Uh, I've, I've been blocked by people from NBC, the New York Times, half of the view. Um, <laughs> so I kind of I kind of I kind of wear that with a badge of honor. I think I've been blocked more than Lawrence Taylor, New York Giants. Um, but, you know, I, I despise these demagogues. They get paid to lie to you. They do. There are people, there are proven liars. I'm, this is not an exaggeration. There are proven liars on television who have jobs on cable news, and they have, they have lied to Congress. They have lied uh, under, uh, under, uh, under oath, but they still have jobs. We pay people to lie to us. In my lifetime of 53 years old, I do not remember more lies told to the American public than I have in the past five, six years. It's it's stunning. And people accept this. I don't think we should accept it. I don't think we should accept the demagoguery, the lying. We have to find out a way to strategically, strategically lash out and let people know what's acceptable to us and what's not acceptable. I can do some things. Behind. I'm out there in the communities all the time. I'm talking to young people. I'm talking to various political groups. I'm talking to parents groups. I'm talking to kids. So I do what I do my part uh, to combat the lies. But that's my rant this morning. I, I I was feeling it after seeing that movie last night. I'm in studio with Tim Hess, Common Peace Court Judicial Candidate. Uh, you'll meet him next. Whew, that felt good, actually. I have to insult the media once a day. It's like therapy. Um, Khalid Namar, NWA, Namar with Attitude, in the studio this morning with Tim Hess. You'll meet him on the other side. Johnny on the Wheels of Steel. Stick around. Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Bob Branch Show. I am Khalid Namar, and for Bob today, I got somebody very interesting in the studio you need to know about, and you're going to know about a lot about him by the end of the show. Speaking of local racists, this gentleman is running for a common police court judge here, and his name is Tim Hess. How you doing, my brother? Welcome to the Bob Branch Show in the studio with me. Good, good, man. Thanks for having me on. This is a this is a real treat, and uh, I appreciate it a lot. Absolutely, brother. I, I so let me tell you, those of you who want to know how Tim ended up uh, being here, Tim Hess. I heard him speak at a local event. Uh, his background is what struck me. His background. He's a real guy. He, he didn't just go to some fancy law school and then stagger into a, uh, some fancy job at a big law firm and then you know go into politics. He's a real guy. He actually has done real work. He's held real jobs. He drives a Harley. He rides a Harley. <laughs> drive a pickup truck. He drives a pickup truck. I mean, he's a real dude. I can see that by by hearing his background, by talking to him and looking at him. I said, "This is I like this guy because his background reminded me a little bit of myself." Uh, so tell everybody who you are, Tim Hess. Sure. Thanks. Um, well, you know, um, to give your listeners uh, an idea, I grew up on the west side of Cleveland, um, actually Middleburg Heights. Uh, went to Mid Park, was the youngest of five. My dad worked in, uh, at Alcoa for 39 years back when, you know, people still used to do that. And, um, my mom was a school teacher, but by the time I came around, she was, uh, you know, homemaker, making sure that our environment and our house was good and taken care of. And, you know, dinner was on the table at five o'clock. My dad got home. Um, and, uh, so, you know, my dad taught me the, the importance of a good work ethic and my mom taught me the importance of an education. Um, I was a, a wrestler in high school. I know you, you did some boxing. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that, that taught me a lot about discipline. Um, I started at a very young age wrestling around third grade, uh, was third in state. Uh, by the time I graduated high school, had an offer from St. Ed's to go there. Okay. But, um, being the youngest of five, my family said, well, you know, none of your other siblings went to private schools, so ah. you're just going to be the best you are at where you're at. So, um, <laughs> but it was, it taught me a lot about discipline and, you know, I, I've had a job since I was 12, started out with a paper route, working in a local pizza shop, things like that. So, you know, <laughs> it's been a lot, it's been a long road, but we can talk more about it. Absolutely. In the studio with Tim Hess. If Hess is the question, what's the answer? Say yes to Hess. Say yes to Hess. We'll be back to talk more with Tim Hess, comma, Pete, uh, judge candidate. Uh, I am Colleen Namar on the Todd Island Show. And you want to give us a call later on and ask questions, 216-901-0945. Stick around. Right Radio. Repeat the line. For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. On The Answer. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Back in the studio live, Ali Namar and for Bob France in the studio with Common Pleas Court Judicial Candidate Tim Hess. Say yes to Hess. 
Say yes to Hess. So if you have any questions uh, for Judge Hess, call us at 901-0945-216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 if you want to talk to Tim Hess, got any questions for him. We're going to get into a couple things. We're going to talk about more about his his background, his judicial philosophy. Uh, We're going to touch on on this whole issue of bail reform that uh, is is a really hot topic in certain certain, uh, sectors. So tell us about your judicial philosophy. So, you know, I'm a constitutional conservative. Um, You know, I don't believe it's a, a living, breathing document, as Brandeis was wrote in the Supreme Court. Um, the words were written for farmers. You know, it was plain language. You don't have to be a Harvard scholar to understand the Constitution. It's there. It's in black and white. Big, you know, the Bill of Rights. Um, I'm a big two A proponent. Um, I'm sure you know that. I've Absolutely, told you that many times before. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm an NRA firearms instructor. I am a uh, uh, critical response attorney for USCCA Network. Um, legal defense network um so you know the bill of rights is important and those bill of rights apply to everybody okay um they aren't just for a select few um you know the second amendment doesn't have some kind of different application because it's the second amendment versus the first um you know you come into my courtroom you're going to be treated equally um you know and and my handouts um some people kind of gave me a little flack because on one of my things i say fairness and equity in sentencing and i know bob talks oh, a lot about the whole equity yeah. word right yeah um but as it applies in a courtroom it's it's it and i know it's <laughs> and he said it i've listened to him before equity and equality are really not the same thing um but in a courtroom people do come from different backgrounds and right that's america mm-hmm. um you know so if you're in my courtroom you know, I don't care if you're the rich kid from Pepper Pike or the poor kid from East Cleveland. You're going to be treated on the same playing field in my courtroom. Now, there are different circumstances. You know, everybody has circumstances that may have led to them to where they are and 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 hopefully, you know, maybe change where they're going. But um, it's not, and that that also plays this, uh, the same token of, you know, the 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 poor kid who had it rough growing up is not going to be treated better because he was a young, you know, poor kid, had it rough growing up. Um, on the flip side, the rich kid's not going to be treated better because mom and dad have money to hire a great attorney and, you know, all that. So um, my, my philosophy is, you know, I'm not there to make law. If you want to do that, talk to your local state rep, state mm-hmm. congressman, state, you know, um, senator. Talk to your legislature. They're the ones who write and make law. We're just there to follow it. Um, and if, you know, something we do goes up to the Court of Appeals and gets changed, well, that's their job. It's not my job. Exactly. So that, that's kind of, the, in a nutshell, how I think a judge should act yep. and be. Got Tim, Tim Hess in studio. Congres- um, congressional. Oh, not rushing not yet. Not uh, yet. <laughs> Common Feast Court Judicial Candidate Tim Hess is in studio. So what are your thoughts on what's going on with this whole bail reform issue? Because I'm going to tell you, that's a hot issue. It, it, and and, and it's, it's, it's costing people lives. Right? It is in Harris County, which is Houston. They had about 170 plus people who have been murdered by people released on low bail. That was in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's awful. Yeah. And they just raided one of the largest uh, bail bonds people who, you know, who I happen to our families know each other down in uh, they're from Cleveland. They were they were, they were raided by the feds because there was some uh, fraudulent 
information on um, documents used to obtain bail, and so they raided the whole firm. I don't know what else is going on down there, but they have an, the most awful bail system in the country. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I spoke to a group uh, about a month and a half ago about this, and I said at that time, because they asked me about it, and I said, you know what, my answer is probably not going to be very popular, but I'm not for it, mm-hmm. okay? Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you're a, a, a low-level offender, you didn't hurt anybody, you didn't pull a gun on anybody, you know, maybe you have a theft offense, maybe you've got a drug issue, maybe you've got a mental health issue, and it's a low-level felony, four or five, maybe you don't have a prior record, okay, but you've got an addiction that's causing you to go out and steal wheels or do something, Yes, you you hurt somebody's you know you took somebody's property and that that always feels like a violation to to yes. you know we've all had something stolen from us at some point in our life I'm sure and you feel violated but those people I think should be given a um, a low bond low bail personal bond mm-hmm. um, you know there's there's like five factors that you have to ask or we used to have to ask when we would uh, when you would be considering setting a bond and I've stood. Many times in 22 years of practice, uh, call myself a constitutional defense attorney, but a lot of people call me a criminal defense attorney. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, you know, if you're charged with a crime, you don't really like to be called a criminal, especially if you're uh, not guilty. So anyway, I've been on the other side of the bench um, trying to get that low bond uh, or have to go to the hearing judge once we're assigned a judge and ask for a lower bond. Um, but, you know, if you, you hurt somebody, you shoot somebody, you use a gun, stick a gun in somebody's face to rob them. Um, you've got a, a long, lengthy criminal history. You have a, a, a history of not showing up to court. You've got multiple warrants out for you in previous cases. You violated on probation. and didn't, You know what? Uh, maybe you need to sit in the jail. Now, I've, obviously, there's a presumption of innocence, right? But the threshold for getting an indictment and finding somebody guilty is, is like, you know, apples and oranges. Um, all it needs is probable cause to indict you. It's beyond a reasonable doubt to convict you. So if there's enough evidence there to indict and it looks like you may have committed this crime, especially a violent, heinous crime, you should probably be held in the jail. But, but how does it happen where a, a person can have multiple bonds, right? And I think in one case in Texas, the guy had four, he was out on four bonds. And then he murdered a woman and a child. He was out on four bonds. I'm, I'm thinking, how is that possible? And who signs off? The judge has to sign off, sign off on it, correct? That's correct. They're correct. So what happens is the, the bond commissioner does an evaluation of that individual. And then they come back with a recommendation. And it'll say, you know, 10,000, 10%, 20, 50, 60,000, 10%, which means usually they got to end up paying, it's like an insurance premium to a bondsman. They don't get that money back. Um, so that's the first determination. Then the prosecutor can argue for a higher bond. Defense attorney is obviously going to argue for a lower bond. Or sometimes they agree and say, okay, we agree with the bond recommendation. All right. Um, but, yeah, uh, the arraignment judge, which is not the judge that actually he's going necessarily going to hear the case, is the person who says, okay, well, this is what I'm, your bond's going to be. Now, the, the, a lot of this just changed because there was a case in February. Uh, uh, I'm not I'm drawing a blank. DeBose, I think. Versus McGuffey. Anyway, yeah. the name doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yep. Talking about the House Supreme Court case. Yep. House Supreme Court case. It basically said a judge can't consider um, um, safety, mm-hmm. like like community safety, yeah. when determining a bond. Yeah. Which that's what issue one is all about. Issue one basically says 
If you vote yes on issue one, a judge should be able to consider factors such as public safety, seriousness of the offense, you know, their prior record and their likeliness to show up. You vote no on that, you're taking a judge a judge's ability to, to determine that based on those factors. It's kind of common sense. I don't understand why we would have to have that. But because of, of that case, we now have to have issue one. Um, and I think it should be something a judge uh, should have to consider is public safety. Um, so, yeah, these people, a lot of these people, I, two, three, four I, bonds are running around I, committing more crimes. Listen, I, I personally sometimes question the common sense of some of our, our uh, officials because what if a guy goes off and shoots 10 people at a grocery store, right? Do you think the guy should get bail? <laughs> well, and, you know, that's another thing. And, and it used to be a lot of times when I was arguing for a lower bond, and I would have to explain this to my clients, like, look, if you've committed a serious offense or offense that's questionably like maybe maybe you shouldn't be out on the street, buddy. OK, right. right. And that judge and I know I'm going to be there eventually mm-hmm. where I'm going to have to make that determination. Mm-hmm. I let that guy out on a low bond. I don't care if he runs over somebody's dog. Guess who's going to fall back on me? How did you the, all of a sudden the media is going to go ballistic? Yeah. How did, or at least maybe they should. Right. Yeah. But if they start over somebody's dog driving a car down the road, oh, my gosh, this guy should have never been out on bond. How did you let him out? Look what he's done. Um, and there is a certain amount of accountability that should be done that way. But, uh, y- you know, it- it's one of those things that, you know, if you've got a record, you- you're hurting people. You're out there committing offenses while you're already out on bond. You're out on bond and you're committing another offense. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be out. Maybe that's an indicator. Well, right? what's going on in Houston is that situation. He gets out on bond, uh, reoffends, gets out again, you know, reoffends gets out again, reoffends, and then he kills someone. And yeah. it's like, how does it get to the fourth bond? That I, It is stunning to me what's going on. Um, and we have to get a hold of the public safety issue because the country is falling apart. Cities like Memphis, Atlanta, New York, uh, Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, is, which is now, again, the murder capital of the country for the second time in, in the last 20 years that I can remember. Houston. Houston is averaging 1,500 car thefts a month. Uh, you know, Los Angeles is so dangerous. Even I heard a gang member, <laughs> you know, former gang member say, Hey, I wouldn't go to LA now because it's too dangerous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how bad LA is. You know, it, 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 it's, we cannot go this route or we're going to turn into Mexico. Yeah. We're going to turn into Mexico. And I say that because Mexico is pretty much overrun by criminals, which is why people are heading across, you know, heading across the border. We cannot have a place where people cannot afford to work and live because it's overrun with crime. We can't. No, and, it, and it's going to turn into chaos, and, and you know people are going to start, you know, like I said, the Bill of Rights applies to everybody. And this may sound a little crazy, but if, if, you're, prohi- if you're not prohibited, you're not an ex-felon, you don't have things that would prohibit you from, from carrying a gun and owning a gun, why wouldn't you get the training? Now, that's one thing I always say. You know, just because somebody goes goes out, takes a, a weekend class and gets their concealed carry license, concealed handgun license, uh, it doesn't stop there. You know, you can you go out, buy a gun, throw it in your nightstand. Uh, you need to know how to use it. You need to be responsible with it, and you need to uh, to train regularly with it. Um, but that's what it's coming down. Your personal safety is coming down to you. With with you know, with the, we have I think a twenty five percent reduction in police officers in Cleveland. Oh yes, right. Oh yes. Um. You know, and it, it's it's sad, but you know, there's I've saw some interviews where police officers are like, look, we got to prioritize our responses mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. right? 
where we're talking some serious crimes are not getting responded to because there's more serious crimes that are getting responded to. Right. Well, you know, we we can talk more about this later because I've I've worked in the county jail. Yep. Um, I know what's going on down there. I know the kind of people that are in there, and thank God some of them are in there. Uh, but I, I think that people don't have a clue as to how serious this issue is. It's not a, it's, it's not, it's not anything we should be playing around with right now. Right. Public safety is a major issue. Uh, we got a lot more for you folks. Uh, I'm in studio with Tim Hesk, common pleas court judicial candidate. And we got a lot more. We got, uh, next hour, we got Keith Davey. We got Eric Brewer, but we're going to be back, uh, close out the hour and, uh, stick around. All right, back in studio with Tim Hess. Wow, time flies. We're having fun, but he'll be sticking around with me the rest of the show. It's five minutes before the hour. I'm Khalid Namar, NWA, Namar with Attitude today. Uh, we're talking about, with uh, Tim Hess, we're talking about, you know, bail reform, criminal justice reform, all these issues. Uh, he is on the ballot for the Common Police Court, and if... Hess is the question. What's the answer? Say yes to Hess. Say yes to Hess. So uh, I believe in your candidacy, ab- absolutely, uh, because, again, I, I know you're a common sense constitutionalist. I spend a lot of time uh, talking to young people uh, that I have in schools about the Constitution, Bill of Rights. Uh, I'm, I'm st- I, I, executive authority is one of my favorite topics I study. Um, but also I've been just recently I, I was at uh, a college uh, talking to uh, the young people about federalism. And they, these were pre-law students, and I was shocked that many of them really don't even understand the concept of federalism, and uh, they're about to go to law school, but I think they're more educated as a result of my talk with them, um, because I explained to them how this whole thing works, and the, the Supreme Court does not make law, and they seem to think that the Supreme Court either makes law or t- gives rights or takes rights away. This is what the, and, and I'm going to tell you one thing about law students uh, before I give you the floor. Law students in these colleges, Yale, Harvard, are supposed to be amongst the best and the brightest. They're they're some of the the dimmest and most dangerous. <laughs> they are actually against Sixth Amendment right to counsel because they protest against one of their uh, the deans of one of their colleges on campus because he happened to be on the defense team of Harvey Weinstein. So now they don't think certain people deserve attorneys. Well, let me let me comment on that because I was in an event uh, last week, and you know. I was walking around, meeting people, shaking hands, you know, trying to tell them who I am. And, of course, you know, what's your history? What do you do? What have you done? Well, I've been a constitutional uh, defense attorney for 20 years. What's that mean? Oh, well, most people call it criminal defense attorney. The guy kind of frowned, grimaced, and just kind of gave a look. And I said, well, you believe in the Constitution, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and, um, you know, this was kind of a group that was, uh, I think, believes in people's rights. And I said, well, you believe in the Constitution, so you believe everybody is entitled to a defense, just as you or I would. Yeah, yeah they, they don't understand this concept that every you, you cannot convict someone without an attorney. You know what I'm saying? Without representation. People need representation, and there are people who are innocent who go before a judge. They have to have adequate counsel. You don't have to like the person. Uh, anyway, what, let's, we got about a minute left. I want to take this call. Dr. Cheryl, Cheryl in South Carolina. Let me see if I can bring her on. Oh, Cheryl, are you there, South Carolina? Yes, I am. Hi. You got about a minute. What's your question? I just want to know what events that people could come to visit um, Tim Hess in person over the next weeks before we vote. Aha. Well, thank you. Um, I have a tomorrow. I have a, a law enforcement MC and a, a veterans MC that are throwing me a poker run because, as Khalid said, I ride a Harley Davidson. <laughs> and uh, this law enforcement MC, it's going to be uh, quite a few of different law enforcement MCs and veterans MCs. Um, we start out in the morning in, in uh, Cam's Corners, and then we do a whole ride from Smedley's at 10 a.m. And then we end up at the Fraternal Order of Eagles in Berea. If you don't ride or the weather's not permitting, we will be at the Fraternal Order of Eagles in Berea on North Rocky River Road around 5 p.m. for all the fun and festivities. Okay, yeah, we'll repeat that uh, toward the end of the show where you can meet and greet Tim Hess. He's a great guy in person. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, you'll like him. And uh, he's be, um, I've locked the door, so he's going to be hanging around with me the rest <laughs> of the show. Next hour, we got Keith Davey coming on, so you'll you'll like him. He's a local guy here in our in Lakewood area, running for a state seat. So, hang around. We got a little bit more. We're gonna have a little bit of fun and uh, stick with the Bob Fran Show and Khalid Namar. You'll be better for it. See you on the other side. We're back in the second hour. Khalid Namar and for Bob France on the Bob France show, Always Right. And I think I like to think I'm always right. At least, <laughs> at least, at least when I'm on the radio. I am in the studio with Tim Hess, Common Pleas Court Judicial Candidate. Having a good time today. Uh, one thing I, I'm going to say real quickly: uh, we got Keith Davy, who's running for Ohio House in 13th District. He'll be on. So let's. Let's talk real quick about how the media manipulates people's minds. And, and, and I'm saying this, and I'm venting, right? Let me vent real quick. People on television are constantly saying a threat to our democracy, a threat to our democracy, a threat to our democracy. If I hear this phrase one more time, I'm going to start drinking. Um, we do not have a democracy, folks. We do not have a democracy. We do not have a democracy. We have a constitutional republic. We have a representative republic. We do not have a democracy. They use this word many times strategically. Uh, it's on purpose. The word democracy does not exist in any of the founding documents anywhere. You won't be able to find that word. You won't be able to find that word in any document because that was intentional. People don't know what that means. 
we have a constitutional republic. So we are not to have a popular vote with the president. We just don't. We go whether we we are the United States. We are the United States. Uh, states can't come together to try to give their electoral votes to who they want because we have something called a compacts clause in the Constitution. That's in violation of the compacts clause. States cannot come together to form a compact and impose the United States. They can't do it. So um, there's you know. Uh, you know, we, we got, you know, a, a constitution's in studio and I'm excited because <laughs> we've, we've been talking throughout the break on these things. It drives me nuts. Um, you, you know, when I went to speak at colleges, these kids really don't even understand, uh, how a lot of things work. But guess what they do now? At least the ones that I spoke to. So that's why I go to colleges. That's why I talk to young people because they are, uh, being led astray they're being hoodwinked bamboozled by a lot of their professors um, and they're being totally misguided when it comes to how this country should be viewed so me and my good friend damasena we love to go out and talk to young people we're going to be doing more of it uncle tom too come to the theater atlas theater eastgate next thursday uh you can go to uh go to my facebook page at khalid namar on Facebook, I will give you information. You got to see Uncle Tom too next Thursday. It's also a fundraiser for us, uh, for our American Trinity Project in partnership with the Thomas Jefferson Knowledge Institute. We are trying to educate young people and get them to think properly about citizenship and what it means to be a good citizen. So we are a good cause. So try to join us next Thursday at seven o'clock Atlas theater Eastgate for the showing of Uncle Tom too. I'll talk more about that before the end of the show. Anyway, we got Keith Davey on. Sorry to keep you waiting, Keith. Uh, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Uh, I know I stepped on your time a little bit, but listen, I want you to take the floor. You're running for the in the 13th district. I want you Ohio to Ohio House District 13 in yes. Lakewood and the West Side of Cleveland. Yep. Yes. Tell us who Keith Davy is. Well, first of all, I just want to take. I want to thank you, um, Khalid, for um, the opportunity to let our local candidates have a platform here, and and I want to thank you for. Um, your support of our Lakewood West Park Conservative Club. Absolutely. Um, you spoke last month. Um, you've always been supportive. And good morning to soon-to-be judge Tim Hess. Um, Tim's got a uh, family member here in Lakewood that's getting signs out for him, and there's probably nothing more critical than getting all these conservative judges elected here November 8th. Absolutely. Um, so before I talk about me, I do want to plug next Wednesday, Khalid. Mm, yes. Bob France is going to be our guest speaker at the Lakewood West Park Conservative Club next Wednesday. Um, he's going to lead us in to uh, get us motivated for the election. Lee Weingart's going to be there. We're going to meet at the Hungarian Reformed Church at 15300 Pierce Avenue from 630 to 830. So I hope you attend. There'll be candidates there, signs to pick up. Um, it's going to be a great evening with Bob France. And so next Wednesday night, 630 to 830. Uh, Hungarian Reformed Church on Pierce Avenue. So, yeah, yeah, Bob France, he's he's okay, he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> but, uh, I love and, you. You know, when you said you like to be always, I think you're always right because your wife always says he's Mister Right, and <laughs> so that must mean something. Absolutely. But, but but anyway, but anyway, so thank you so much. And just a little bit about Keith. So you know, I am a Christian conservative patriot uh, running on the Republican ticket. Um, I love Jesus and I love the United States of America. Um, you know, I retired a couple years ago and um, uh, helped my wife with a real estate business for a few months and then decided, hey, i got to get back into what I know, and that's logistics. And I opened a small business. I transport uh, senior citizens 
uh, around the west side to doctor's appointments and grocery stores. And it's been a huge blessing for me, Khalid. Um, and, of course, being a small business owner, I'm very sensitive to everything that's going on right now as far as inflation, by inflation, and, um, you know, the price of fuel and, and, and everything trying to find help. So, um, you know, th- there's there's two main, well, three things. One is um, even though we have a majority in in the state legislature right now, the, the Republicans in the House and the in the in the Senate, we really need true conservatives to be elected, and that's why I'm running. Um, you know, true conservatives that are going to protect parental rights in our schools, true conservatives that are going to protect our medical freedom in the workplace, and true conservatives that are going to keep our governor in check. Um, and you didn't really see a lot of that over the last few years. So. We got a lot of rhinos down there. We need true conservatives, so that's why you need to vote for Keith Davy. But there's going to be, there's two of my main focuses, Khalid, and, and one is I'm dedicated to property tax relief, and I've talked to you and the group about this before. Yes, and Lee Weingart is is focused on this too. So you know we've had the highest inflation rate in 40 years. It's killing the senior citizens. Um, I drive them all day. I hear about it. Um, you know, when I get down there, I'm going to be focused on property tax relief. My wife and I received a 29% property tax increase this last go-around. And I talk to seniors out on the street every day, and it's driving us out of our homes here in Lakewood and the west side of Cleveland. There's got to be changes. When I got that increase, I went to sit down with my current state rep that I'm running against the incumbent, and I said, Mike, what what are we going to do about this? And he says, well, you know, I feel your pain, but, you know, we can't change things because most of the tax goes to the schools. And most of the politicians are afraid of the school board unions. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm not. And we got to make some changes. So phase one of my plan is tax relief for senior citizens. 62 and over, we're going to freeze your tax rates until you sell the house. I'm going to uh, let the make the uh, homestead exemption eligible for everybody 62 and over. Right now, there's too many restrictions on that. Everybody 62 and over, we've been paying taxes long enough. We all need the homestead exemption. And combined with that, I want to increase the amount of the homestead exemption. So for more details on that, you can go to the website or contact me. But phase one is tax relief for seniors that need relief tremendously during this inflation period. And then phase two, Khalid, will be tax reform for all Ohioans. You know, in 1997, the Ohio Supreme Court, and maybe Tim can even talk about this, you know, they ruled that the way we fund schools is unconstitutional. Yes. That was in 1997. And None of these politicians have done anything about it. Well, I want to go to Columbus. I've got other people, Tom Patton, some of these other folks that are interested. We're going to make a change, and that's what I'm going to be dedicated to. The second thing is small businesses. You know, we had a little steering committee meeting the other night at the restaurant in West Park at Cam's where we have our meetings. You know how that is. And we were talking to the owner, and, and he, you know, small business, restaurants, bars, healthcare, they're still being bombarded. With, they're they're under attack. They can't they can't get people to work. Um, you know the 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 cost of everything is going through the roof. Their food. Um, the owner of the, of the restaurant's telling me I'm working seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. I can't get anybody to cook for me. Um, so small business is still in bad shape in this state. We have to do something to help small business. Um, you know, I want to get together a focus group as soon as I get in Columbus of small business owners around the state. And we need to sit down and say, okay, how do we fix these problems? How do we get people in Ohio that are on unemployment back, back to help as, as servers and cooks and, 
healthcare professionals. We got a serious problem. And you know, these restaurants, you know, they're 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 shutting down early. They're 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 closing yes. two days a week because they don't have people. These people are hurting. And you don't hear a lot about this, Khalid. Small business in Ohio is still hurting and a lot of these guys aren't gonna make it. So I wanna focus on those two things, property tax relief and how do we help small business not only in District 13, but in all of Ohio. Well, you know, I, I know a local uh, small business owner on Parma who just closed his doors. Painful. Yeah. I had an event at his place. He had a place out in Menor. He had a place in Parma, a uh, barbecue place, and he had to close his doors. He was telling me a month ago or a couple months ago that how much he was feeling the, the pension, the inflation, the cost of yes. products, and he closed his doors. I'm sad. This is a Dominican immigrant, hardworking patriot guy. Uh and he had to close his doors. It is painful to, it is. to see this. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on law and order? Well, you know, it, it's critical that, you know, first of all, issue one, um, you know, the Lakewood West Park Conservative Group, we're pushing those on our webpage and our and our Facebook site. Issue one is critical. Um, and, you know, when you listen to the news all morning on, on this station, you hear how, you know, people are, you know, another I think two or three policemen were shot and killed last night, and yes. it's just out of control. It's bad here in Lakewood. You don't hear much about it. Uh, it's bad on the west side of Cleveland. You don't hear a lot about it, but it's here. Um, you know, we've got to get these conservative judges um, elected here in Cuyahoga County. We have a lot of, you know, this bail reform that it is just, it, it's affecting, their, there's no fear for these criminals anymore. Um, carjacking is all over Lakewood and West Park. Yeah. And we've got to get these guys elected. Issue one is critical. And you're not hearing enough about that. The candidates that are out there something knocking on doors got to talk about issue one and issue two. You know, we're not hearing enough about issue two. But, you know, 30 years ago, and it's like Tim talked about why on issue one do we even need a law like this. Same thing with issue two, Khalid. Mm-hmm. You know, 30 years, 40 years ago, why would we even need to talk about municipalities allowing non-citizens to vote. I mean, this is incredible. And the, the fellow I'm running against, he opposes issue two. It's like, are you kidding me? And so, you know, the world has changed, and we have got to get conservatives back in here. And law and order is, you know, if people don't feel safe in their homes, in their businesses, nothing else works. No. So you know, we, we've got to get these guys in, in office. Yeah, I tell you that, and you're right, Keith, because, and Keith Davies, my guest, uh, is running for Ohio House in 13th District, Lakewood, which includes Lakewood. You got to get through to people. You have a responsibility as a citizen. We talk about rights, 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 but no one talks about responsibilities. When I talk to young people, I say, look, if you, just like my mother told me, told us, if you, if we, if I don't discipline you here in this house, the state will. And the state's not going to do it with, with the love that I will do it with. And and I tell people, <laughs> yeah, my, my mom and you know, and my dad was was always working. He was he was just a worker. He was a provider. And these young people, I tell them all the time, you have a choice: either you regulate yourself, or you police yourself, or the the real police will do it. And all the energy spent trying to correct the police, very little of this energy is going towards getting people to obey the law. Uh, I worked in the county jail. So I have a, a perspective on this issue, but uh, uh, I want to give you the talk about your other P. You have uh, one of your five P's. I think you got one more. Yes. So I am the pro-life candidate in District 13. Um, I've been endorsed by the Ohio Right to Life 
uh, Action Committee and Ohio Value Voters. Uh, my opponent, Mike Skindell, has voted against every, every pro-life uh, bill that's come across through Columbus. And uh, I will always, always um, protect the life of the born and unborn in, in the state of Ohio. So that's the big piece. And, and really, life police is the biggest issue as far as I'm concerned. If you're, if you're right on pro-life, everything else falls into shape. So, you know, I, I, that's my biggest P, pro-life. Um, I, I need uh, everybody's prayers over the next uh, two to three weeks. Uh, I need divine intervention to win in this district, but I believe it happens. James 516, I've seen in my life and many others. So if the Lord wants me in this position, he'll keep me, but I do need your prayers. So, yes. again, thanks for having us on. Ashley, we need the voters. And, Keith, how can people support you? Uh, give us your information. Yeah, so it's uh, DaveyForOhio.com, or DaveyForOhioHouse.com, DaveyForOhioHouse.com. All my information's in there, my phone number there. Feel free to call me. Um, and uh, please, one one great area to uh, meet me and a lot of the candidates will be next Wednesday at the Hungarian Reformed Church, where the Lakewood West Park uh, Conservatives are meeting with Bob France and, and Lee Weingart. We've got to get Lee elected. We've got to get these conser- uh, conservative judges there. A lot of the candidates are going to be there. So you can meet me and we can chat more. Um, you can meet the candidates, pick up a yard sign. So please, next Wednesday, Hungarian Forum Church, 630 to 830 on uh, 15300 Puritus. And, uh, and again, thank you for everything you do for us. You've been so loyal to our group. And just thank you for everything. I appreciate you, Keith. Thanks for coming on. I'm just trying to do my part. I want to help make this a better society. And we, we all and thank we- you. Yeah. Thank you for having Eric Brewer, my good friend, for 40 years on today, too. Yeah. We yeah. need Eric. We need Eric in Congressional uh, District 11. So yes. Thank you. For- he's, he's coming up next. Eric Brewer will be up next. Keith Davey was our guest here. Thanks so much for coming on. We need people like Keith. Keith is a great man. A great man. Um, have a lot of respect for him. I'm having fun here. This is local politics, everybody. This is where it starts. As the great Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. Khalid Namar in studio with Tim Hess. We got more on the other side. Eric Brewer coming up. Stick around. All right, we're back live in studio on the Always Right Radio. Khalid Namari for Bob France. We got a caller, Jim from West Park. Wants to talk about the Constitution. Jim, how are you? Welcome to Always Right with Bob France. Thank You're you. on with Khalid Namar and Tim Hess. Thank you. I wanted to make three quick points. Sure. For your next guest, <clears throat> racist or racism is doesn't exist. It's called original sin. The American communists say that the Constitution is outdated. Well, if that's true, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does. The first five presidents in our country were were from England. They weren't born in in the country. And we were under British rule for over 175 years. They, our founders, understood uh, invasion, domestic violence, and tyranny, okay? And, and the communists like to change the definition right. of definition. Right. 
Okay, now it's not written in the Constitution, the word abortion. But in the Constitution, it's listed three times as invasions. Okay. It's an invasion. Okay. Okay, and, and those are in okay, Article thank you. 1, <coughs> Section 8 and 9, and Article 4, Section 4. And thank you for taking my call. Thank it's you. A good program. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so one thing I can say about the, I don't know if that's true about the, you know, the first fire presidents, you know, being born outside the country, but that, that's a whole nother thing. But thanks for the call. Uh, one thing I can say uh, before the break is the foundation that I like to pay attention to the most uh, is a, is the bill of rights. B this issue of federalism, because we, the government was supposed to actually only do a few things and they have encroached their constitutional authority by leaps and bounds. So now they are bigger than the states, and it was never that intention. It was never that intention for them to be larger than the states. Now uh, the government was supposed to be the size, say, of a softball. We were supposed to be the size. We were supposed to be larger than the federal government. Now they're the size of a basketball, and the states are the size of baseballs. They suck up all the money. They control us. And our local politicians have to bend over backwards in order to get our roads fixed, in order to get anything done locally when the states are supposed to be in charge of most things. Tenth Amendment says so. Flint didn't have any water because of local, the failure of local politicians. The state came in because the, the, the locals couldn't regulate themselves, and then the feds came in and, and, and to the rescue was not supposed to be that way. We have more than enough money and resources and taxes to do things on the state level, but the feds, being who they are, love to control the states because that's how they maintain power. Tim? Yeah, I agree with you, and, you know, the Constitution... Kind of the the uh, caller's point. Um, a lot of people want to rewrite it. I think they should just reread it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. We'll live with that. We got Eric Brewer coming up uh, in the next segment. He is running for Congress in the 11th district, and uh, he's got a lot to say. So we're going to be back with Eric Brewer. Brewer, I'm in studio with Tim Hess. I'm Khalid Namar. Please, please hang around. We got more. against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer. We're back live on The Bob Frantz Show. I'm Khalid Lamar in studio with Tim Hess. So we have some interesting candidates running for uh, seats in Ohio. This is a local political show today. We had Keith Davey on previously. Uh, we're in studio with Tim Hess, who's running for Common Police Court. Keith Davey, 13th District, by the way, House District. Now we have another one in the 11th district, and he's familiar to local political watchers. He was mayor of East Cleveland. Uh, he's been a journalist, uh, former uh, Air Force guy, I believe. Eric Brewer, did I get that right? Yes, you did. How you doing, Khalid? <laughs> I'm well. Thanks for being on. Uh, you're, oh, thanks for having me. You're running for Congress in the 11th district, and uh, this is a new challenge for you because you served in a local political arena for a while now. You're you're heading to the to the big leagues. 
So tell tell the listener why they should elect you. You know, my background is uh, very, I think, appropriate for the seat of Congress. I've served as a mayor for four years in a very tough urban community. There are 19,429 cities, villages, and townships across America. And everything that happens in Washington affects one of those cities. Uh, whether we're talking about military bases located in a city or um, federal offices that are enforcing environmental laws or Department of Interior laws, depending upon the federal lands that are in a state, et cetera. And so we've got HUD, uh, the Department of Labor, the Department of uh, Education, Civil Rights. All of these units affect some aspect of a municipal corporation and ultimately the people. And every elected official in Washington is living under a mayor and a city council. So there is a strong connection between what takes place locally, what happens in Washington, and the resources that are needed from Washington to successfully run cities. So since I've served as a mayor, a chief of staff to a mayor, a special assistant to a mayor, the chief of communications for the director of the housing authority here, uh, plus being a journalist and a newspaper publisher, I have some unique insights about how Washington has interacted with cities that I've worked for and the net outcome of those interactions. Now, tell me about uh, you spoke at the uh, uh, Lakewood uh, Mid Park Conservative Club, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, you, we talked about the hospital situation in Cleveland. Can you talk more about that? Yes. Uh, you know, I spent four years working in uh, military hospitals, uh, a year in Thailand during the end of the Vietnam War. Plus, when I was a teenager, my cousin and I were the first male unit secretaries for university hospitals. Uh, so I have some exposure to what goes on inside a hospital, even in an emergency room. Uh, what we have right now in Cleveland is uh, our health care system is under literally foreign control. And you see that at UH, where the CEO is uh, from uh, Syria, at uh, Cleveland Clinic, where the CEO is from Croatia, at uh, Metro Health, where the CEO is from Egypt, and even at St. Vincent's, the current CEO arrived here in 2019 from Beirut. Uh, They are unfamiliar with our health care laws the ways hospitals are funded in the United States of America, and it seems an affront to Americans who graduated from Xavier College in Cincinnati to learn how to manage hospitals and all the Americans who have hospital background for the boards of these entities to place foreigners in control of U.S. health care. And what we're seeing is closures, people that aren't connected to the community, shutting down emergency rooms in Bedford, uh, shutting down the emergency room at St. Vincent. Uh, we now are limited to just one hospital in the city of Cleveland for emergency care for people who are shot, uh, gunshot wounds and other crimes of violence. That's at Metro Health. And up until 1958, Metro Health was the free city of Cleveland municipal hospital that had been in existence since 1836. And that was funded under a 1953 health care law, 749.01 of the Ohio Revised Code, that allows a city council to levy a property tax of $1 per 1,000 in property values 
$50 a year on a $50,000 home for a free city hospital. Uh, we have the Hill-Burton Act of 1946 that had been enacted by Congress to fund uh, the construction of free city hospitals that have now all been, for the most part, demolished, like Huron and East Cleveland and some of the others here in Cleveland. We used to have 43 hospitals inside Cleveland. Now we only have six. Wow. So I want you to distinguish yourself, Eric Brewer, uh, from your opponent. Um, your question again, I'm sorry. I want you to distinguish yourself from your opponent. Oh, from my opponent. Yes. Oh, well, you know, obviously I have, I'm 68 years old. I think she's 46. Uh, I've got 20 plus years of experience on her. I have a longer perspective of American history. And the profession that I chose to work in, for the most part, as a journalist or even as a administrative bureaucrat in uh, federal and, and state and, and local government agencies, well, federal and local government agencies, uh, gives me more insight than her about the types of laws that a mayor would need in order to sexually, successfully manage the police department and fire department. Uh, the what what's going on in Cleveland with the misuse of block grant funds. While it's nice to be friends with a mayor, you can't be friends. Uh, she can't be friends with Mayor Bibb when the way block grant funds are being split up in the city of Cleveland violates federal laws. Uh, they're not supposed to split block grant funds up 17 ways equally among 17 wards. Those dollars come from poor census tracts and are supposed to be used for poor census tracts to eliminate slum and blight. Uh, they spent a lot of HUD money for demolition when the D in HUD stands for development. It's housing and urban development, <laughs> exactly. not housing and urban demolition. <laughs> and so they have not really uh, understood the message. And Cleveland's block grant resources have uh, dropped from $30 million when I used to work for CMHA. Uh, and when George Vornovich was mayor, to now uh, $19 million because council has refused to allocate the money where it's supposed to go. They've been using a lot of the dollars for these nonprofits, and it makes no sense to me that Global Cleveland is a recipient of HUD block grant dollars because it gets a pledge, and Joe Semperman used to be a oh, member of city council oh, yeah. that these guys want to take care of. And so as a congressperson, instead of being a friend of these people for their uh, knowing that they're violating laws, they'll get letters from me indicating that they're violating laws and encouraging them to stop. And if they don't, they'll get uh, correspondence, I would hope, from the Justice Department, HUD's Inspector General and others. When I ask those agencies to investigate the misuse of federal funds, to ensure that the dollars go to where they're supposed to go. Uh, that's that's just some of the problems. I mean, you know, because I've been a mayor, I do know and have a more uh, greater appreciation for the infrastructure of our communities. You know, I was driving along streets in Shaker Heights uh, on Winslow the other day. The streets are horribly cracked. I know, for example, that the bridge that uh, uh, it goes from one side of Forest Hill Park to the other side of Forest Hill Park along Forest Hill Boulevard between East Cleveland and Cleveland Heights. Oh, yes. Is Awful. in need of severe infrastructure uh, investments in order to make it 
uh, secure so that it doesn't collapse over that road. I also know that the duck pond over there needs infrastructure reinforcement, and it's part of the Western Reserve tributary. And, uh, you know, our engineers told us when I was mayor that if that bridge, uh, not the bridge, but the duck pond uh, little dam next to it uh, crumbled and it eventually crumbles, Euclid Avenue would be waterbound and undrivable. Uh, so I would know, knowing these types of things, knowing that uh, some of our parks have been used for illegal dumping, you know, I'd be more tuned in to what's taking place with our environment than our than our uh, than my opponent. I have a more mature understanding, have a, having been a mayor uh, rather than just a member of council. And I'm someone who would know that the automatic license plate readers that she voted to uh, is install as a member of the county council uh, violate the uh, <clears throat> excuse me violate the uh, laws that Congress enacted instructing the FBI on how to manage the National Crime Information Center database. I've read the NCIC 2000 manual, uh, Section uh, 1, Data and Probable Cause, which says that an NCIC hit alone is not probable cause to arrest, and that the information stored behind a publicly displayed license plate number is privacy protected under the 1974 Privacy Act that Congress passed, and they enacted that law to specifically place that restriction on publicly displayed license plates. So I know the judges have gotten it wrong when they've said that you have no expectation of privacy with a publicly displayed license plate. Uh, I know that Congress has enacted laws that say otherwise. And until uh, mayors read the laws that are associated with these federal tools that have been uh, uh created by Congress for uh, law enforcement and other officials to use until those laws are read and understood locally, you're going to have these civil rights abuses, the high-speed chases that you've been having out of cities like East Cleveland and Cleveland. You'll have Cleveland, which now has uh, been added another two years of court oversight for their uh, failure to adhere to the consent decree that was negotiated with the uh, U.S. Department of Justice. Okay. So I, got, go ahead. I got a question for you. So one of the things that, that has always bothered me uh, about cities like East Cleveland and other municipalities is how they use the police. They use cameras as tax collectors. Cleveland yes. Heights was notorious for writing taxes on high beams, right? They wrote more. To, I'm not taxes. I'm sorry. Uh, tickets for high beams. Tax collectors, police are not to be used as tax collectors, which to me it creates a lot of the tension in a lot of these communities. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with you. And I think what happens is that the local city councils and mayors, because they do, do not read Title Seven of the Ohio Revised Code that instructs mayors on how they are supposed to manage municipal corporations. Yeah, we have two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they haven't read the Constitution, they are operating way outside the laws that exist. And they need training on how to bring uh, uh, to manage these these very complex uh, relationships between the people and the criminal justice system. They created too many unnecessary in- encounters between the people and law enforcement because of the wishes that they have to see a certain behavior controlled when they don't have any authority to control that behavior. 
Absolutely. And I think that's important. Uh, I'll just say that the last uh, person to occupy this congressional seat had no interest in addressing any of these issues. I think she was too busy traveling, um, which I find, you know, disgusting uh, to be discussing that a lot of Congress people, they they fly around the world at taxpayer dime going on these unnecessary uh, really shopping trips disguised as junkets. Uh, so I hope that you can get this seat and bring some sanity to that 11th congressional district. Eric Brewer has been my guest running for the congressional seat in the 11th district. Uh, glad you can be on with me today. Uh, Thank you. Hopefully the voters got to know a little bit about uh, more about what you intend to do if elected. Well, you know, I hope I didn't go too geeky on them. You know, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have fine. a lot of experience. And so Absolutely. you've got a lot of insights to offer to people. And, and thank you. And, uh, and and we've got some great folks on the Republican ticket that need to be supported. You know, yeah. Keith Davey being one of them, Wanda Jones, Lee yes. Weingart, and others locally are running good races out here and, and our, our voters need have a choice and they should accept it. Yes, absolutely. And Shalira Taylor also is out there. Shalira Taylor. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Yep. Thank you, Eric. And I will see you out on the campaign trail in the next few weeks. I'm sure. Sounds good. Khalid. Take <laughs> care of you and Tim. All righty. Take care. All right. Eric Brewer has been my guest. We're heading to the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back on the other side. I'm in studio with Tim Hess and I am Khalid Namar. Please stick around. Always right radio. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. The answer. All right, we're back live. I am Kelly Martin on the uh, Bob France show. Always right. I am in with Tim Hess. Somebody, Mark from Cleveland, has a question for Mr. Hess. Mark, how are you? Welcome to Always Right Radio with Kelly Namar. You're on with Tim Hess. Very good. Thanks, Khalib. Um, Kennedy Hess, hopefully it'll be soon Judge Hess. Uh, Hess, say yes to Hess. My <laughs> question is, is uh, we talked about bail reform before, but it seems nobody wants to talk about um, probation reform. Um, the most recent example was uh, Tamara McLeod. You know, she was on uh, probation for five years in a armed, I guess as home invasion kind of thing, where she met a certain guy on a dating app and two of her cohorts followed in and, and basically robbed them at gunpoint. But then later on, she was also uh, suspected complicit in a uh, robbery of a pizza place, a happy, happy pizza or something, and also suspected in a numerous uh, shoplifting. So, and the, one of the news stations found out that no one had ever checked up on her during her probation. And it's like when she office, eventually killed, obviously, Officer Bartek in a carjacking, it was like the court or the probation system said, well, we, we try, but, you know, they really didn't check okay. up on her. Okay. So is there any any type of probation reform yep. that we're looking at down the road? That can totally, you know, so that's that's one thing that is kind of one of the, the things I'm looking for, and I know we're kind of short on time, but, you know, our probation department needs to do better, and it may be for a lack of officers, but, 
you know, this whole idea of, you know, come down, pee in a cup, don't get in trouble. It's not working. I say that all the time. You've heard me say that <laughs> yep. before. You know, we need to start finding these people jobs. We're a union town, whether you like it or not. I don't care what you believe about unions, but people need to, you know, we need to start getting these people jobs. A lot of them never had that opportunity to be allowed to get into, you know, a work situation. You give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach him a fish, he eats for a lifetime. We need to start preparing our probationers more for the real world instead of sending them out and going right back to the knuckleheads they were hanging around in the first place, slinging drugs, gang-banging, pulling guns on people. Now, her situation was a little different, um, but, you know, uh, I, I think we need to be checking up on more people and, and not just saying, you're on probation, don't get in trouble for the next three years. Yeah. And I think the violent crime issue, repeated violent crime, you shouldn't keep getting slapped on the wrist. I always say, and this is one of the things I want to talk about when I build, uh, when we build our organization, we're going to focus on theft and property rights because people land themselves in prison for t- two main reasons, taking things that don't belong to them and disrespecting people's person, right? If you don't learn to respect people's person or their property, you're going to head down a dark path. So if repeated violations of people's property and people's person, whether you rob someone, assault someone, that is recipe for prison. And I think that those are the things that we need to focus on. So this person has been twice accused of a crime, right? Robbery, violent crime, home invasion. There's no way you should be getting slapped on the wrist and having a finger wag and say, don't do it again. There needs to be heavier consequences. Most mafia people started out as thieves. And then five, ten years later, they're kingpins. Right. You know, John Gotti committed murder back in the 70s, and he did three years. It's a, our criminal justice systems, systems, we have several systems uh, there's the bail system. There's the, you know, the probationary system. There's, a, you know, there's a prison system. There's lots of different systems. So I don't want to lump anything together. But parts of these systems are just they're dangerous to all of us. Right. I'll give you the last word. No. And I agree with that because a lot of people want to blame it. And thank you for pointing that out. It's, it's not just one big system. Oh, our, our criminal justice system is failing. You know, it is not the, a perfect system, but it's the best we've got in this world. Yeah. You know, in other countries, you steal, you get your hand cut off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we have rights here. Um, so I just think that th- there are aspects of our system. As a judge, I don't expect to change the system, but I sure as heck want to make a dent. Yep. And Mexico has about a 90 percent unsolved murder rate. <laughs> and that's just scared the heck out of a lot of people. And all guns are illegal in Mexico. Yes. <laughs> I'm in studio with Tim Hess. We're coming back for the final hour. Hope you enjoyed yourselves. I am having a good time. And uh, we got more to talk about on the other side. See you then. The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. Yes, he was. He was. Yes, he was.
stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Back in studio, Khalid Namar in for Bob France today on this Friday. I'm having a good time today. We covered a lot of local politics. Uh, had on Keith Davey running for the uh, House in a 13th district. Eric Brewer run for Congress in 11th district. He was on earlier today. And we shouted out uh, some other candidates, Shalira Taylor, uh, who's running also. Uh, we got Landry Simmons running for state senate. Uh, Jolene Austin. Jolene Austin is a, a friend of ours. Uh, these are these are strong conservatives, people we have to get in. And let me take care of a little business. Battleground Talkers Tour, Saturday, October 22nd, 730. Get your tickets. Tickets are free. You'll have Eric Metaxas, Peter Kersenow, Hugh Hewitt, Bob France, and Brandon Tatum. Battleground Talkers Tour Midterm Showdown, Saturday, October 22nd at 7.30 at Ag Center. Tickets are free, so go to WHK Radio, get your tickets. I've got mine, so you'll see me there. Maybe you'll see Tim Hess there. You'll have on the orange sweatshirt that says, Tim Hess, you can't miss him. Uh, <laughs> say, say yes to Hess. So anyway, I will be there. And listen, Uncle Tom Two. The Uncle Tom One was a was a documentary uh, by produced by Larry Elder, who used to be on the station. It covers the history of the, of the black conservative and talks about this whole issue, which people foolishly throw around that word, you know, Uncle Tom. But anyway, we we had a showing of the Uncle Tom Two documentary last night um, and the Atlas Theory in Eastgate. We're going to have another one next Thursday. You got to check this out. It's a good film. I'll have problems with it, which I'll explain to you. Uh, but next Thursday, uh, you, you definitely want to see this, um, this documentary, Uncle Tom Two, And you can go to my Facebook page at Khalid Namar. I can give you some details on that. Um, history, history is a, is a, is a thing. I, I, I study it every day. I, I dig into things. I love digging into the weeds on, on history. I think m- almost all of us were taught history wrong. Uh, what history has done it has made people arrogant. It has made them uh, overly uh, judgmental and foolish, in my opinion. So there's some issues I have with the way people look at history. Uh, it's easier to look back 60 years than it is to look ahead 60 years. So I, I hear people, and I've heard people talk about Martin Luther King. I lit into one guy who talked about Martin Luther King at one time. Well, he, he, you know, he was a socialist. And I said, well, listen, sir, black people coming out of previous generations, Martin Luther King was born in 1929. So that means his grand, his parents were probably born, you know, 30 years earlier, 40 years earlier. They came one generation removed from the end of slavery, pretty much. They were going through a lot of trauma. If those of you who don't know about the Red Summer of 1919, you need to read about it. Brutality, lynchings, mob violence, murder in multiple cities across the country. Uh, another thing you should look at is look at the rise and fall of Jack Johnson and look what happened every time he won a fight. First black heavyweight champion. Brutality, murder, lynchings were going on. Brutal things. People were looking for something. They were looking for something that worked for black people. They were exploring ideas which were, to them, were good on paper. They sounded good. So socialism, communism, things like that sounded good. People like W.E.B. Du Bois was a communist. He was looking at these ideas. People were exploring ideas that worked. They were trying to find something that worked. So for people to sit back on their relative comfort and their perch in 2022 
and making judgments about what people thought 60 years ago, you you are a fool. Because guess what? You have the luxury of looking back at Eastern Europe and how it fell. You have the luxury of looking back on communism and, and under Castro and see how it fell. You have the luxury of looking back at Stalin and Lenin and Mao. You have the luxury of doing that when you look back 60 years. So you could be the armchair quarterback or the money morning quarterback and make judgments about what people were thinking and believing in the 40s and 50s because you didn't live that experience. You would learn from it. If, if I was born in the 60s, or I'm sorry, not even in this. I was born in the 60s, but if I was raised in the 60s, I was born in 69. If I was born in the 40s, those people were raised pretty much. They came into Rome in the 60s, the boomers. They had a certain experience that they were reacting to. So some people wore leather jackets and afros. Other people marched in the civil rights movement. You had different things going on. If I was probably born in the 40s, who knows which camp I would have fell in. I probably would have been wearing a leather jacket and an afro. I probably would have been wanting to be down with the Black Panthers because, again, that was their experience. It is to be learned from. It's not to be judged because one thing I do when I teach history, we, me and my friend Damasee, we go into classrooms. And the first question I ask kids, if you were born in 1700, 6, 1750, 1800, what kind of person would you have been? I say, well, the, the short answer is you would have been a product of your time. You may have had uh, been a 24-year-old man with a 16-year-old wife. You may have been a horse thief. You may have been a pirate. You may have been one of those slave owners that you wag your finger at. You may have been a cobbler, a prostitute, a sheriff, a, a, a king, an evil king, an evil queen. You may have been a shipbuilder. You could have been any one of those things that were produced at that time. Or you could have been just a, a farmer who grew your corn, raised your family, and, 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 and you died. You could have been any one of those people. It is history is to be studied. Uh, history. One thing I cannot stand about commencement speeches, when one of these usually lefties sit us up in front of them, one of these classes and talks about how these kids are going to change the world. No, you're not. Just because you have a degree in basket weaving or gender studies does not make you a genius. Uh, fix your own life. That's the best thing you can do to, for society is fix yourself. You're not a genius. You're not out to tell how the rest of the world how to live. Because many of the, our leaders are some of the most corrupt, flawed people. But they're making decisions for the rest of us because they have a degree in uh, Ojibwe, which is a dead Indian language, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I, that. I, I, I don't like the arrogance because I'm going to tell you something. All you have to do is know the history behind some of our leaders, uh, some of our very success, even some of the most successful ones. They had their flaws. Who knew being Crosby used to beat his kids? OK, in other words, you uh, who knew Muhammad Ali had a child with a 16 year old girl back in 1974. Did you know that? Tim? I did not know that. Yeah. A lot of people don't. My point is this not to diminish these people. But what I'm saying is that people have this. They have this arrogance. And they look back on history and they, they think that we are so much better. We are in many ways, but in many ways we're worse than people were in times past. They had their issues. We have ours. There are people who had race riots throughout the South. We have riots when a, when, when a bank robber gets shot. I mean, we have different issues. Just like I always say, men and women are different. And each of us have our own different type of stupidity.
men have our stupidity, but guess what, ladies? You have your stupidity, too. Uh, am I going to have people marching outside of this place when I leave? Um, <laughs> send all your hate mail to Johnny at WHK. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, can, can I comment something on that? Yeah, you, you can. I'm okay, sorry. So, you know, looking back to the founders, you know, a lot of people want to tear down the Constitution and tear it up because, well, they were slave owners. Well, because they were slave owners, right? So uh, the founding fathers, maybe some of them owned slaves. So we, should, we, we need to tear up the Constitution. We're good. And, um, you know, slavery was not something that was unique, something not unique to the United States. Right. Slavery had been going on for thousands of years prior to the United States. We didn't invent it. And you can't take the history of t- you can't take today and place the norms and values of our today on people in the past. Kind of like what you were saying, you know, if you go back far enough, you can find somebody mm-hmm. that did something wrong that we could cancel them on. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I always tell people when we talk, I say history is very complex and people have dumbed it down. History is very complex. For instance, Native Americans fought for the Confederacy because they thought they were being screwed by the federal government. So they fought for the Confederacy. Certain uh, uh, large Indian tribes or, you know, uh, Indian chiefs had slaves, many of them. Right. The Cherokee had, I think, 7000 slaves. Uh, This is how people lived. This is how they lived. And, And I always tell people it could have been you because these people were a product of their time, just like you're a product of your time. Up and I always tell kids, yeah, your parents, you know, many of them do the best they can, but you are not to look back at their life and make judgments because you weren't in that situation. And I think with history, we learn from it. We learn what they did wrong. We learn what what, what worked. But you don't sit and wag your finger and tearing down people's statues because that makes you a fool. Because I'll tell you, uh, the the complexity of history, it's who knows why certain things happened. But guess what? We're here right now. What do we do with this information? What do we do with what we learned? When I study the founding, I, I love to look at the speeches and the arguments and the debates that they were having because there were certain people who were on the right side of this slavery issue. There were people like Benjamin Rush, who I love to read about, um, who you know was a statesman at the time, and he lambasted slave owners. Benjamin Franklin, a lot of people don't know, was, was founded the Philadelphia Anti-Slavery Society, pushed slavery out of, he wasn't alone, one of the ones that pushed slavery out of Pennsylvania, which is why they went to Washington City, which later became D.C. They carved this area out of Maryland and Virginia. Why? So they can take their slaves. Right. And and can you believe that prostitutes were roaming openly around the House floor in those days? Like, I can't even imagine that. We have different kinds of whores there now. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, bum. Um, <laughs> But this is how complex history is. Vermont was the first constitution anywhere in the world to ban slavery right here in the United States. In Ohio, this area was always free soil. And I'm proud of Ohio. I'm proud of Ohio because with the Northwest Ordinance, we were always free territory. We've always represented freedom in the state of Ohio. There is a lot of complexity to history. We have 50 states uh, in the, the history of all these states are so unique and interesting because there were lots of debates, battles, arguments, fights going on to get us to where we are now. But guess what? There's still fights that we have to, to fight. And that is now we have to control the federal government. We have to constrain them because the Constitution is, is supposed to constrain them, but they want to get rid of it so they can constrain us. And that's where we are right now. So I'm talking to people about 
your, your freedom, your self-governance and federalism, because that's where it begins. Police, police yourself. Learn what liberty is, because there's two ways you can get rid of your uh, or lose your liberty. You can surrender it or somebody can take it away. And most people are surrendering their liberty. You, sur- you surrender your liberty when you commit crime, when you violate the liberties of others, or when you're ignorant, people can take your liberties away from you. You surrender them, and that's what's happening now. You can vote it away, too. You can vote it away, absolutely. Um, so I think that people need to pay attention to what's important. And I and I will say this. If I was mayor of this town, I, my suits wouldn't be as tight, number one. Uh, <laughs> number two, <laughs> that slipped. I'm sorry. Uh, I would tell people, you better get a hold of your kids. You better get a hold of your family members, your nephews who are out here lawless, and you know who they are because you don't want me to get a hold of them. That's what I would do. If you don't want little 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 Michael to get shot, then you teach Michael not to steal candy bars at when he's five years old. That's what I would do. And actually, I may run for mayor one day. I may do that. We'll talk about it. I'm Khalid Namar. I'll be back. I'll let you hear Tim Hess. I've had my rant. Tim Hess running for common police court. You'll hear him next. Hang around. We're coming back. Right Radio on The Answer. We're back live on the Bob France Show on this Friday. We're got about 15 minutes left. That song goes out to Karen Beach because that's my good friend uh, from Beachwood. She lives in uh, North Carolina right now. She loves this song. Even though she's been insulting me the whole time I've been on the air. Uh, I love her and... Uh, here you go. This is for you, KB. She says that I'm not. I'm, I'm. She said I'm right about as often as a broken clock, which is what twice a day. Twice a day. Twice a day. <laughs> so, so quick. We, 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 all the disaffected Republicans who don't like Mike Dewine. Okay. Uh if 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 you feel that way, you ha- you have a right to do so. But you need to get involved in voting for your legislators. Because we have to control the House. If you don't control the executive and you don't want to vote for the executive, we have to control the legislators, right? Or um, because I, I personally don't want to get Nan Whaley. The Democrats have really no one to run, so they're running a failed mayor of Dayton, uh, in the race. She's essentially the tallest midget, so they have nobody else to run. So if 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 we get Nan Whaley, can you say midget on the radio? I think you can. I think it's I think it's little person actually. Little person vertically challenged maybe. <laughs> I guess I can say a little little person. Yeah. Uh, so listen, legislators are important. We have to vote for our legislators. We uh, we have some good things going in in our state. But we have to have people get out and vote for our legislators, vote for your school boards, vote for your judges like Tim Hess. 
Say yes to Hess. Say yes to Hess. We need a constitution that's on the bench with common sense. You've gotten to know him a little bit today. Hopefully, uh, you all can vote for him. And again, go to the Battleground Talkers Tour. You can meet these guys. You can meet uh, the candidates. I'm sure some of them will be there. Tim Hess will be there. Uh, I'm going to make sure he comes. You'll see his Harley parked out front. <laughs> um, <laughs> Saturday, October 22nd, Battleground Talkers Tour. And please, come meet me at the uh, next next Thursday at the Eastgate and um, uh, Theater, Atlas Theater, for the showing of Uncle Tom 2. Uh, you, you know, you got to see this. Anyway, we got a call on the line. John from Shaker Heights. How are you, John? You there? Oh, hey, John. How are you? You're on. Fine. How yeah. Are you? The problem with the Republican Party in Ohio is one name, Bob Paduchik. <laughs> and he needs to be getting rid of. And nobody in the legislature has any backbone to stand up to DeWine to get rid of that scumbag carpetbagger in Columbus. He is the problem in the Republican Party. I've heard that. There's no way in heck Mm -hmm. that DeWine should have been renominated for the governorship. Well, Renacy should have been the governor. mm -hmm. Well, I I, I agree that that and this is and this is where the legislators that are running come into, into office. Uh, and come into play because there are people who are not fans of his who are who are running who will be uh, hopefully elected in November. These are the people you need to get behind uh, who do not support Paducic. And you do a little research, uh, you'll find out who they are because this is why it is important. So you're right. Your point that it, it is, is well taken because yeah, this because is I won't yeah. donate to the you won't the donate GOP to the Republican until he's gone because wow. yeah. Paducic just does not care about. Uh, free speech or anything, like when they had uh, the thing down in Delaware, mm-hmm. people that had anything other than the wine or DJ Van shirts on, yes. they were turned away. Wow! Uh, yeah, I, in Medina I, I, County, mm-hmm. uh, they're, he's telling JD Vance, "Do not go into Medina County because that is enemy territory." It's like what? Yeah, yeah, I did it's hear like, about that. Come on, thanks for the call, but I, I did hear about that. Uh, and that's something that's got to be worked on um, by the voters. Again, uh, we got a caller on the other side we'll take. He's got a question for Tim Hess. So I'm going to give you the floor when we come back, and we'll let you talk to the people. And uh, once again, let them know why they should elect you to common police court. How's that? Sounds good. All righty. I'm Khalid Namar, and for Bob France, we'll be back after a short break. simple and the four king all right we're back live on the bar fresh show we got about four minutes five minutes left or so uh and for those of you who are uh 
a little challenge about urban history that was Superfly, Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> One of my favorites. I used to have that whole album on vinyl. When it, you know, kids probably don't even know what vinyl is nowadays. <laughs> I guess people are going to be watching that on Netflix tonight, Superfly. Superfly. So anyway, we got a couple of calls real quick. Let's go to Bob in Strongsville. Bob, you're on with Colleen Amar and Tim Hess. Bob, you there? This is Bob in Strongsville. Yes, sir. Bob in Strongsville. I have a question for Tim Hess, lawyer. Go ahead. Uh, Tim, as a lawyer, you sit for 22 years. You must have handled hundreds of clients, defensive lawyer, hundreds of clients over those years. Now, when you become a judge in November and you see some of the same clients that you defended before you, in a court how would you handle that uh that's a good question and the absolute answer is i will not be able to have them in my court because there would be a conflict if i ever represented anybody in my uh in my practice that came before me i would have to kick that case to another judge which brings me to a a good point um with regard to my opponent you know my opponent um his entire career was in government. I uh, was in with, I believe he's in the Cuyahoga County prosecutor's office for 30, 30 years. Um, decided he didn't want to leave the building and, and uh, ran for judge in 2020. Um, I, on the other hand, have represented people in our community for 22 years. Um, statewide, I'm licensed to practice in every court uh, in the state of Ohio. I've represented, you know, early on when I started my, my firm, um, you know, I was doing anything as a solo practitioner to, bring money in and keep the lights on. So I did business law. I did liquor law. I did personal injury, workman's comp, uh, business litigation, civil rights work. Um, so, you know, I've represented a lot of people throughout our community and I've got a wide range of experience uh, other than just a, a government employee. But thanks for the question. I appreciate thanks that. Thanks for the call, Bob. Uh, we're going to go to Dakota. Hey, Colleen, you know, we had a great time last night at the Uncle Tom 2 movie showing. I know George and all of Monday Night Roundtable had a really great yes, time. Yes. A couple technical difficulties, but we worked through it, and we'll have a better showing next week uh, at Eastgate Movie Theater in Mayfield Heights. Thank you uh, And that. I just want to let your your listeners know that people can get their tickets at blueheronmedia.us and get their tickets online to see next week's showing of uh, at 7 o'clock of Uncle Tom 2, uh, because I think, you know, it's going to be a really great time. Really great movie, couple technical difficulties, but we worked it out in the end. So uh, what's the website again to get tickets? Uh, Blue Heron Media. It's H-E-R-O-N, Heron, media.us. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, we hope people can join us. It's a good time. Meet like-minded people and see a great film. Thank you for when you have technology issues, you always need young kids around because <laughs> you get our age. We can't work, work the remote control, but <laughs> thanks for working out all the issues last night, Dakota and Monday night round table, uh, with George Satari is a great show. It's, it's on the sister station, uh, of this show here, uh, WHKW. Uh, they get that right. Yep. WHKW. And, uh, I'm, I'm on there sometimes. I'll be on there probably Monday night as well. George Atari, uh, Steve Krause and Dakota. Great show on Monday nights, Monday night round table. Thanks for your work, Dakota. I'll see you next week. Yeah, definitely. So we got about two, three minutes left. Go ahead and hit some points, Tim. Thanks. You know, just some, uh, closing points I want to make. Um, you know, I had a person at a group ask me the other day after I was talking, is it all doom and gloom? What can we do? 
local politics. You know, local politics is what affects you the most um, because it's local, right? To, to sound like uh, Harris, right? It's local. <laughs> local well, politics are politics local. because it's local. Um, so what can we do local politics? The, the silver lining to COVID was what parents got to see what was being taught their kids. Now they're pushing back, and you have a lot of people running for their local school board. Uh, did want to give a shout-out to my brother in California. I don't know how he remains out there, but uh, he's my older brother, Let's 54, Ron Hess in California. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, I also would like to say if anybody wants to get a hold of me, you can go to my website, www.hess4judge, the number 4judge.com, and you can email me there at tim at hessforjudge.com. You'll get a, get, a, get a generic, hey, how you doing? Thanks for reaching out email, but then I do reply to all my emails. And lastly, I'd like to say we deserve better in the courts. Judges affect your life what is on the streets, the crime that we're seeing right now, keeping people where they need to be if they're violent, that's affected by judges. We don't make policy, but we we apply the law, and it needs to be applied without feeling. So we deserve better. Say yes to Hess, Tim Hess for Judge, HessForJudge.com. Any way you can support me, I would be very thankful. Yeah, and don't forget about our friends Keith Davey, who's running for the uh, 13th, uh, in the 13th District. Eric Brewer, who was on with us earlier in the 11th district. We got Landry Simmons running for state senate. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jolene Austin. Uh, she's out in Parma. Jolene Austin. We have some great people running. We just have to, we have inside out, guys. We have to start local uh, and get control of our state. We can control our state. Uh, my friends at AFP, Americans for Prosperity, are actually working on getting rid of the Ohio income tax in five years. We can get people behind that initiative. Uh, Go to BuckeyeBlueprint.com. You can read about Sign the petition for the backpack bill, which is a school choice bill. Uh, we had a big one uh, signed in Arizona into law. Grassroots works, folks. It works. Uh, I just want to thank Bob France for always giving me this opportunity to to, to sit in for him. And uh, one last thing. Uh, shout out to my beautiful wife, Candace, oh, who yes. I know is left with listening today. Uh, without her, I couldn't be able to do this. Absolutely. She's she my puts rock. up with all the campaign stops, you know. <laughs> Hey, Candace. Um, so, yeah, I had a great time, always, always in this seat. Thank you for listening. Those of you who normally don't listen, thank you for listening. Uh, join us next week, next Thursday, Uncle Tom 2 at the Eastgate Theater, Atlas Theater, and both from my friend Tim Hess. And get your tickets to the Battleground Talkers Tour. That's an important event. Battleground Talkers Tour, Saturday, October 22nd. Peace. See you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.